Low-traffic neighbourhoods are supposed to calm congestion in local areas. But beyond the quiet streets, cycle lanes and mums with buggies, tensions are raised and relationships are strained. This is the Manchester Weekly from The Mill. Hello there, welcome to this Sunday edition of the Manchester Weekly from the Mill with me, Daryl Morris, and Yoshi Herman, the Mill's editor. Really interesting subject for us to get our teeth into in this edition, Yoshi. Low traffic neighbourhoods. Yeah, I mean, this issue has been the topic for a few Mill pieces, but most famously, Andrea Sandal's one about the Levenshulme low traffic neighbourhood. And so kind of about a year after we published that, we wanted to return to the issue. So Alex King, who's joining us today, he's been doing some great reporting for us on this story. And yeah, I'm looking forward to asking him sort of what he's found. Okay, um, it is. It's it's a really, really hot subject, isn't it? Affecting a couple of towns across Greater Manchester. So let's get into it. As you say, Alex King has been on the ground in Presswich and Levenshulme and other areas uh, that are trialling or in the process of beginning low traffic neighbourhoods to find out what they're all about. And Alex joins us on the Manchester Weekly now. Alex, hi. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Okay, let's start off with a really, 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 really basic question. What is a low traffic neighbourhood? Sure. The idea behind a low traffic neighbourhood is basically to create safer walking and cycling links between homes, shops and schools. So to do this, local authorities put filters ranging from bollards to planters uh, they place them in strategic locations on residential roads to, to facilitate that. So to block through traffic while still allowing vehicle access to every home. Um, that's it in a nutshell. And, and, and some people will immediately, if they haven't got one of these in their neighbourhood, they'll immediately think, how is it possible for everyone to get to their home if traffic is being blocked? Maybe just, just explain that for us. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think my understanding of it is that you can still have access to res- uh, to to homes, to, to, so residents can still get to their to their places of residence, but the the it's it's blocking off through traffic. So rather than allowing um, traffic to essentially rat run from one main road to another, you're kind of putting in these traffic calming measures whilst also maintaining access for shops and for homes in those areas. So just paint the picture for us, Alex. What is it like? and look like to walk into our low traffic neighborhood it's nice i mean it's much quieter you have people out and about people with prams people having a coffee on the pavement and you approach them they seem to think it's quieter it's safer it's more pleasant but then again it's not super different from any you know it's not totally different from most roads that you go on in levensume and so logistically, there are, there are sort of bollards at the end of certain streets and, and uh, you know, an obvious network for traffic, but a more obvious network for pedestrians, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's big planters at the ends of these roads that are, you know, two metres wide. They're massive and they have often have plants growing in them. There's several of those at the end of the street. And then there's loads of signs saying to cars, you know, you can't come down here. But it's often pretty clear where they should go instead. And uh, you'll, you'll see sort of pedestrians and cyclists going filtering through the the planters and one of the ideas behind it is that gps or like phones that that like give you a route for where to drive they have resulted in an increase in the number of journeys that go via back streets via residential streets so traffic has increased on some of these residential streets and this is a way of pushing back against that but also i guess going further than that exactly yeah with with the rise of well i suppose it's not such a recent rise but with with the advent of GPS and these kind of like a Google Maps, basically these routing services have 
you know, they push traffic through these quieter roads because it's quicker, right? It cuts off 20 minutes of your time. Uh, you don't have to sit stationary in traffic. The LTNs kind of have the effect of calming that, but also, you know, there's lots of co-benefits on top of that. So as well as reducing traffic, you then make your neighbourhoods safer for pedestrians. It makes the air pollution purportedly cleaner. So there's all these kinds of uh, knock-on effects that you have from from stopping cars going through. The obvious next question is, does it work? We'll come to that in a minute, uh, Alex, because it's a complicated question, that isn't it? Um, let's 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 deal with Greater Manchester, and and, and two places I suppose are really important here. The first one is Leventhume, where a low traffic network was introduced and piloted beginning in 2021, and Presswich, where the process is currently ongoing. Take us into Greater Manchester's relationship with low traffic networks. Where are we at? Yeah, so the very first low traffic neighbourhood in GM, as you say, has started in Leventhume and Burnage. Technically, it's it's both neighbourhoods, but it started in Leventhume as, as a trial. Um, and this has been you know really well documented in Andrea Sanders' piece for The Mill last year, where she looks at the first phase of that trial in Leventhume. That LTN secured funding from the Mayor's Challenger Fund in March 2019. And at the start of 2021, as you say, 14 planters went in to Leventhume. And this was sold as a trial to locals. We're now uh, in the process of seeing the second phase being rolled out. So 12 of those 14 planters in the first phase are now permanent. And the council's now in conversations with Transport for Greater Manchester to essentially expand that LTN into neighbouring Burnage. What you're seeing in Prestwich is, it's still earlier in the process in, in Prestwich. So it started, the, the conversations to co-design the low traffic neighbourhood started at the start of 2021. There were three workshops there and the plans put forward by Sustrans, which is the kind of active travel charity entrusted to design the low traffic neighbourhood on behalf of TFGM. They put their plans forward in March 2022 and that's still very much an ongoing conversation. So in short, in short, You've got the planters in Levenshume, they're about to come in and burnage, and they're not quite in place in Presswich yet. There's obviously a lot of jargon with this. There's the low traffic neighbourhood thing, which Daryl's already been getting wrong and calling it a low traffic network, number one. I butchered that right, didn't I? Sorry, guys. Low traffic network. Apologies. There's, there's TFGM, who are Transport, Transport for Greater Manchester, which is an arm of the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. You've got councils involved. You've got SOSTRANS involved. You've got activists involved who really believe in active travel and this broader vision of making our cities less car dependent, which I think almost everyone could, could can get on board with, at least in theory. So there are lots of different nuances here. And I think um, people who really want to know the detail here, they're going to read your upcoming piece on the mill and, and they're going to love all that stuff. But in a slightly more zoomed out way, tell us why... It LTNs have become flashpoints for controversy in some areas, including in Levensview. What What's going on there? What are the different people saying? I think the common denominator in all of this is an inability from local authorities to explain and advocate as well as to propose. So a lot of these things are being put forward using like the conventional kind of consultation model, which... And, and that, that kind of produces information gaps. People get letters, they'll get flyers through their doors about these consultations to, to design these low traffic neighborhoods. But 
often you hear people in Levensium and Prestwich saying they don't recall receiving this this letter from the from their local authority, and so they weren't kind of involved in in the design process. So in Prestwich, for example, the partnership there says they sent letters to two thousand all two thousand seven hundred properties in the area the designated area, but only forty eight people turn up to the first workshop. So you're saying like a really, really tiny portion of people attend and that kind of invites suspicion. Alongside that, you have in both instances, Bury and Manchester, a lack of front-footed advocacy for these things. So what that does, it creates a communication vacuum into which voices of suspicion and paranoia come. And that basically means that those councils and Sustrans are on the back foot because they're having to respond to to people's queries, as opposed to sort of basically making the case uh, proactively. Yeah, it's something that I really remember from Andrea's piece on the mill, which I think was last year, um, which turned out to be one of our most kind of discussed pieces. There were photos in that of signs in Levenshume and perhaps Burnage as well saying, stop the roadblocks, don't poison Broom Lane, um, stop inequality on unfiltered roads. And it seemed from those signs like a kind of a a battle had had broken out in Levenshume about whether these low traffic neighbourhoods were kind of benefiting the wealthier streets, the more residential sought after streets, and they were putting more traffic onto the busier through streets where you might find people who are who are, who are less privileged living. That kind of became part of the debate, didn't it? It did. People were voicing concerns about who stands to benefit from these changes. And actually, in, in my reporting for this follow-up piece, you, you heard those same arguments being made that, you know, it was a question of fairness. Um, the traffic would be displaced effectively from roads within the active neighbourhoods to roads just outside it. And there is some evidence to suggest that's the case in London that's happened in, in you know on the perimeters of London LTNs, house prices are slightly lower than house prices within the LTN. And some people extrapolate from that that traffic is being diverted away from more affluent neighborhoods to less affluent ones. In my research, I haven't been able to detect any such disparities within or without the low, low traffic neighborhood areas in but in Levensume or Prestwich. There's not loads of evidence to suggest that these LTNs displace traffic from one set of roads to another. It happens in the short run, but in the medium to long run, that traffic evaporates, essentially. It goes elsewhere. And I suppose also part of that really difficult jigsaw of trying to evidence the consequences of this, air pollution also comes in as well. Another really significant part of this story, and again, Alex, it seems like there are sort of mixed, you know, a mixed bag of results on that. Yeah, exactly. So just to provide some context to that, the LTNs are are designed to alleviate air pollution and TFGM figures show that poor air quality caused by toxic gases like nitrogen dioxide, the majority of which comes from road transport, contributes to the equivalent of 1,200 deaths a year in Greater Manchester. So really big problem, needs sorting out. I think the jury is out as to whether LTNs do alleviate air pollution. There's a really fascinating report from the Centre for London, again, looking at London LTNs, but it is indicative. Whilst car usage can be shown to reduce in the medium to long run, air pollution is a bit of a trickier thing to prove because many local authorities don't have air pollution trackers on LTN streets before and after their introduction, which was the case in Levensheim, I found out during this piece. Manchester City Council only put in monitors uh, 
after the fact, which makes it impossible to measure the, the effects of these things. Yeah. I remember after we published the piece, we got a lot of heat on Twitter and, 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 and not, you know, not just us, but Andrea, unfortunately. A lot of people were saying we had ginned up a controversy beyond what it really was. Like, it's not that bad in Levenstein. People aren't taking chunks out of each other. The Casting it or framing it as a sort of a war between different factions in Levenstein was unfair. And I, you know, I did think about that. But then I was in the Facebook groups because I'd been researching it a bit myself. And like the level of vitriol that people were throwing at each other in some of these local Facebook groups was actually really serious. And it wasn't just like a few opponents to the LTN. There were dozens and dozens of people, probably hundreds, who really consistently were posting in these Facebook groups saying, we hate this idea, or we feel like we haven't been listened to, we feel like it's for the rich people, we feel like it's for the gentrifiers. So it, it had created a real conflict. Now, have you seen that kind of dynamic repeating itself in the example that you've been reporting on for The Mill, which is um, in Prestwich? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. So you're you're totally right that people were getting really exercised by the politics of air pollution. And we saw that with the GMCAS, uh, the, the group against that numbers, 100,000 people, and you're seeing posts on it every day. Similarly, in Presswitch, there's a Facebook group called Original Presswitch People, which is awash with posts about people from people feeling blindsided. You know, they're saying, they, like I said earlier, they didn't receive the flyer or they attended the workshops and the consultation and haven't heard anything since. And that kind of gets inducted into those broader conversations about whether the way that local authorities in Greater Manchester are tackling air pollution is fair or ethical. Um, I think what's interesting, however, in the case of Prestwich is that you're seeing novel oppositions to the low traffic neighborhood emerge so people who you would conventionally characterize as pro ltn now oppose that particular ltn and prestwich because they sense there's been some sort of political interference from berry council in the way that that's materialized they don't think it's comprehensive enough so you're actually seeing some really interesting new dynamics emerge on top of all the stuff that you've just outlined. And, and one of the people you met was Pete. He, you write about him in your article, Pete Liggins, who's a Presswich resident. And he is, just, just tell us a little bit about Pete and what his take was on low traffic neighbourhoods. Because I think I was quite telling of that point you made there, Alex. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so Pete was fascinating. He's lived on Berry Old Road for, for five years and people who aren't particularly familiar with, with the area. Berry Old Road is one of the main roads that runs around the perimeter of this proposed low traffic neighborhood it's quite a busy road it's adjacent to heaton park uh, you have a lot of like lorries going down there he's lived there for five years and he supports the idea of an ltn because it, you know it's good for his kids for children's safety he, he kind of talked to me about his vision of uh, having the little ones being able to go from his house to their friend's house on their own you know without parents needing to supervise them it would be totally safe for them He's really enthusiastic and he went to all three of the workshops that Sustrans ran to co-design the LTN last year. And, you know, he, he said it was really good that, you know, it was very constructive. They, it got very granular. They, they like, literally Sustrans got a big map out of the area and said, tell us where the rat runs are, tell us where to put the filters in. And he got the impression that it would be genuinely resident led and it seemed really positive. But then a couple of months later, the, the partnership headed by Sustrans produces two versions, two proposals for a, for an active neighbourhood in, in the area. One of them, he tells me, it represents the conversations they had in those workshops. You know, it's a fully fully comprehensive LTM with filters right the way across the area, preventing east to west traffic. 
The other option only contains filters on the southern half of the designated area, which he tells me won't work because it will effectively displace all the traffic from the southern part to the northern part. I think from everyone I've spoken to, including you know people who are opposed to the scheme out of principle to active neighbourhood advocates, say that this is a leaky, ineffective proposal. And so we've got a, a weird situation now where people like Pete are opposed to this particular LTN because it will lead to more traffic in his neighbourhood. He lives in the northern part of the area. It will see lots of traffic displaced to his part of the area. It's, it's a really peculiarly paradoxical position for him to find himself in. And you, you sort of similarly, I suppose, you spoke to Mary, who, uh, not, not, her, not her real name, but we referred to her as Mary in the article. And again, she's somebody who you think maybe, you know, maybe could be persuaded to be, to be on board with this, but her life is made harder by it, right? Like she can't get to the next street along to the shop particularly easily. She may have to take a longer route in and out of her home and her neighbourhood to her sort of local high street or whatever else. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex, but it seems like the picture that you're painting so far is less, and I asked the question of do low traffic neighbourhoods work? That's less the question at the moment and more how do low traffic neighbourhoods work? Yeah, I suppose in, in Mary's case, she can was telling me that, you know, she was saying that she wouldn't be able to take her car from her road to the adjacent road because of these filters. And to her, you know, playing in what's in front of her, it, it kind of seemed counterintuitive. It would increase, you know, how far she would need to go in her car and make, you know, that's more emissions, it's worse for the environment, surely. And, and can she not can she not walk to the next uh, road? She can, I think, but without knowing, without knowing how mobile she is, I'm not sure how feasible that is. But I think theoretically, yes. And that's sort of the point, isn't it? It's the sort of almost difficult conversations with residents a part of your life and a part of your routine has to change here and that, that there'll be benefit to that but that's a really difficult thing to have and it's perhaps not being had properly I don't know is that is that the first assessment yeah and just to like extend on that and clearly if we want to have cities that are less dependent on car I mean I drive a car and you know obviously if you can drive absolutely anywhere it's more convenient but I also recognize there are streets around where I live in the city center that shouldn't have cars going down them you know they've just turned one of the streets in the northern quarter near where I live into a one lay I think it's one way now it was two way so they can extend the pavement to have more people sitting outside the bars there which I think is a sort of very optimistic way of looking at Manchester's you know weather and and, and, and entertainment sector but you know it's nice actually on, on sunny days and we, so it's like we've lost one lane of traffic there. And I do look at other streets around and I think, yeah, actually, there shouldn't be cars on every single intersection. And if we want to move towards this Amsterdam style thing, you know, I went to Amsterdam recently and it's genuinely difficult to get into Amsterdam in a car. They make it a nightmare. Like you have to zigzag all over the place to park your car. You know, if we want that kind of setup, we, we're going to have to spend not just years, but decades making it basically more difficult to drive cars around. And that's going to involve some inconvenience for residents, isn't it? That's going to involve some opposition. A fascinating picture you paint, Alex. Really, really interesting. And Alex dives into uh, more detail from Presswitch and Levin's Human speaks to the people in a piece coming to the mill soon. And if you want uh, more on this, Alex, you have a podcast, don't you, that you do regularly on this issue and stuff like it? Yeah, that's right. So we have a podcast called the Green New Deal podcast. It is under the umbrella of Green New Deal media. And basically we interview climate scientists, activists, and we try and basically keep climate breakdown at the front of the news agenda, one interview at a time. 
and it focuses to some extent on national issues but also loads of great stuff in there on greater manchester good stuff alex thank you Alex King with us on the Manchester Weekly from the mill. That's it from us for this week. We are back in your podcast feed on Thursday with a news briefing, everything you need to know in and around Greater Manchester. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you go for news, events and deep dives into stories just like that one. ManchesterMill.co.uk. ManchesterMill.co.uk